Today on Salt and Light Radio, we speak with Don Stefanowicz, who grew up with a homosexual father, and our featured artist is Gretchen Harris. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and here with me is... Chris Dimitrenko. Chris Dimitrenko. Hi, Pedro. <laughs> you're saying your name like you're not sure if it's you. <laughs> is it really Chris Dimitrenko? So the Pope's in, in, in England. He is in England. Yes, he arrived on Thursday and he will be there until Sunday. Good, and we'll, we'll hear a little bit about mm -hmm. uh, more details as yeah. to what's going on with that uh, on our first uh, uh, segment uh, news. And we're also introducing a new segment today, Chris. We have a Saint of the Week. I'm very excited about this. I don't know who the Saint is going to be because it's been kept uh, top secret from me, but Lawrence Flucco will be here we're doing a Saint of the Week segment. So uh, looking forward to that. That's coming up later. And of course, our uh, featured interview uh, and our featured artist will be in the second half of the show, uh, Don Stefanowicz, who grew up with a homosexual father. And our featured artist uh, is Gretchen Harris. And uh, we're going to start with a song by Gretchen. This song is called Sweetheart Dad from her album Signs of Love. Now 
That was Sweetheart Dad, song by Gretchen Harris from her album Signs of Love. We will be speaking with Gretchen in the second half of the show. But now, here is Krista Matrenko with our news. So the Pope in England. The Pope is in England right now. On Thursday, he arrived in Scotland and met with the Queen in Edinburgh. And then on Friday, he went over to London where he um, addressed 3,000 young people. Uh, met with the Archbishop of Canterbury, who was mm. the head of the Anglican Church, and had an address to uh, members of British society, very high-end address, before uh, having an evening of prayer once again with the Archbishop of Canterbury. On Saturday today, uh, there is the, the Mass in Westminster Cathedral that was celebrated, as well as his visit to the St. Peter's Residential Home, and an open-air vigil of prayer in the evening in London's Hyde Park culminating Pedro on Sunday, and this is the main event, so to speak, the beatification of Cardinal John Henry Newman, who yes. is an Anglican convert and, mm. and a revered intellectual in uh, London, and it's finally his day. So that's happening tomorrow. That's happening tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to tell you about something that's happening a little closer to home, Pedro. Yep. But I wanted to ask you, if you saw a politician campaigning on church property, Outside of, of your of your church and and I guess it's a new market a new market, a new market. Uh, How would you feel if you saw I that? I think I'd be a little uncomfortable with that. I think it would be a little weird I think a lot of people would yes. would feel like you know, is this the place to do it? But here in Toronto, uh, it's actually on the Archbishop's at the Archbishop's invitation That candidates to become the new school Catholic school trustees campaign on church property ah, interesting and here's his reasoning he says that because of the extraordinary importance for our catholic community of the election of highly qualified catholic school board trustees i've chosen to make an exception and uh and the exception is is so that people catholics can get to know their school trustees yeah and this is particularly important in toronto because unfortunately the catholic school board uh, there has been having a lot of problems, controversy for the past two years, outrageous spending, uh, provincial report blast the board and the board went under provincial oversight, you know, bickering and behaving badly at, at meetings. And, uh, and so the archbishop wants people to, to know their trustees because there's a historically very yes. low turnout for these kinds of things. Yes. And he says that they should have a Christ-centered vision of education, that they should be prayerful and that they should be practicing Catholics. Yeah, see, now that you qualified it with Catholic school trustees, I think that I'd be, I would be more comfortable if that was the case in my parish. And in fact, in my parish, I don't know if this happened throughout the whole archdiocese, they had, they were presenting parishioners with uh, pamphlets so that we would be aware that there were elections coming up mm. for Catholic school trustees and to make sure that our tax dollars uh, would be assigned to the Catholic school system. Because some of our listeners might not know that Ontario is one of the, the provinces in Canada that has a publicly funded Catholic system. So the relationship between the school boards and the schools and the bishops is it's, it's a little different than in other places. Mm -hmm. And the Archbishop is even encouraging people to, to run who, uh, who, hadn't, who wouldn't have otherwise considered it before uh, so that people can really take initiative with their school system, which is a real privilege that we have in Ontario to have yeah. a publicly funded Catholic it is system. Excellent. Now, I, I hear there's another news item you have there of interest. Yes. Now, um, it's hard to pass on a story that touches on art, the ethics of food, and moral relativism, topics uh, about which our faith has something to say. Yeah. But I'm not sure what an appropriate Catholic response would be to the meat dress. Yes. 
Now, as you might have heard, pop star Lady Gaga once again shocked the MTV Video Music Awards uh, by wearing a dress that was, so we're told, actually made out of it raw looks, beef. It looks like meat. It, look, it looked pretty it looked, convincing. Yeah, steaks all over. And uh, the least surprising part of the story is, of course, PETA, uh, the people for the ethical treatment of yes. animals, they were horrified. And uh, they also wondered, though, about the smell as well as the um, uh, worms that might start crawling as the meat yes. started warming up. Yes. Um, now, Gaga, she tried to explain the meaning of her dress. So there was, uh, there was a reason for it. She said that, you know, if we don't stand up for what we believe in and fight for our rights, pretty soon we're going to have as much rights as the meat on our bones. And she continued, I am not a piece of meat. Right. Well, I think we can all agree that there are moral absolutes and inherent human rights that must be defended, but then to defend herself against those who would be upset by her dress, like these, these folks with Peter, yeah, yeah. she slides into uh, sort of do-what-you-please relativism. Now, foreseeing the response by the animal rights crowd, she says that, you know, it certainly is no disrespect to anyone that is vegan or vegetarian, because, as you know, she says... I am the most judgment-free human being on the earth, which is a pretty bold statement. Mm -hmm. Now, it's difficult to reconcile that judgment-free relativism with any real sort of meaningful defense of human rights. And that's been an argument of Pope Benedict. Really? And uh, that human rights can't be safeguarded if they're arbitrary and not based in natural law. Yeah. And uh, when you're pushing moral boundaries to the extreme on one hand, as Gaga does, and yet defending human rights on the other, you end up something with something that is truly insane, mm -hmm. like a meat dress. A meat dress. Well, there you go. That's uh, someone who's uh, very clever about how quick statements. And quickly, Pedro, is it art? Uh, I, you know what? I saw it, and it, I think it's art. I mean, to make a dress, that's art. It, it takes skill and creativity to do... To do I don't know what she did, but whoever put that dress together, I would the, the say local that butcher. It, the I don't local know local butcher. <laughs> yeah, couture. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Anyway, thank you, Chris. Uh, always insightful. Your uh, your uh, your news and your comments. Um, and uh, for our listeners, if you'd like to comment on what you hear on this program, please tell us. Yes, is it is the meat us. dress art? Is the meat dress art? What's send a us Catholic an email. response? Radio mm -hmm. at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. As Catholics, we believe that there is a community in heaven watching out for us, and these saints are also perfect role models for us, and that's why we look up to them. So here with me now is Lawrence Fluco with our very own first Saint of the Week. Who, who do we have this week? Uh, well, this week we have Padre Pio. Okay. He's a pretty big saint in yes. the, the Catholic world. You think that I, I would suspect that a lot of our listeners are familiar with St. Padre Pio. Yeah, uh, a lot of them are. He's a contemporary saint. Yes. I mean, he was canonized in this, this century, so uh -huh. a lot of people know him. Yeah. Uh, his feast day is actually this Thursday, the 23rd. Mm -hmm. And I have, I'm going to start off with a little story. So there was a, there was a young man. And he uh, he had lung disease and was dying, and so he's in his he's on his deathbed basically, and 
he's praying to God and he prays that somebody worthy would pray on his behalf because he didn't feel like like he was worthy to um, to pray for himself. Yeah, basically. Uh-huh. Uh, so then a Franciscan monk appeared to him next to his bedside, puts his hand on his chest, and and he was completely healed after that. So he figured, and his mom figured, that this monk was probably some old dead saint. Okay. Um, you know, praying for him, like maybe yeah, like yeah, a yeah. sort of guardian angel. But actually, when he went to one of his friends' house, uh, a business friend's, of his, um, he saw this picture of a guy, a monk, on the wall, and it was the same monk. So he asked him who it was, and he said, "That's Padre Pio. That's that's he's alive. Like this, that's not a dead saint. That's that's a real okay, person." Okay, so I'm just going to stop you because this is people say this about Padre Pio yeah. that he could bilocate. Yeah, that's so. Yeah. That's the, those are the stories, and I'm sure yeah. that there's lots of stories like that. So he was at his friary somewhere monastery yeah and he bilocated to be in this kid's room he just appeared he did yeah totally cool which is crazy That's and he crazy. actually went that that same night he went to padre pio he confessed to him and the kid I, the kid did and then at the end of confession padre pio casually remarked oh how are your lungs doing uh, <laughs> exactly and where, was he healed he was yeah he, had, okay, he was healed he instantly, was healed. Yeah. instantly nice any other neat things about saint padre pio uh well Padre Pio, he was born in at the late 18th, 1800s in southern Italy. Uh-huh. Uh, actually, when he was a kid, he was raised by a pretty strong Catholic family. He even said when he was older that when he was a kid, he had conversations with Jesus and Mary, his guardian angel. Right. He even fought with the devil, like not physically, yeah, but yeah, yeah. he had attacks from the devil as a kid, mm. which is kind of crazy. Ordained when he was 23, and right after his ordination, he received... The stigmata but but he pr- he prayed that he would be able to suffer but suffer secretly so then it went away right only to return um after the uh the first world war so when he was older when he was older yeah after after the first world war he prayed that he would be a victim for the end of war oh, for peace interesting. and so then they came and, back uh, and then he had another vision jesus and mary and he received the, the stigma okay, so, again. So, so just to clarify, so he was ordained a priest when he was 23. Mm-hmm. He, he was a Franciscan. He right? was. A he was a Capuchin, which is uh, uh, an offshoot of the Franciscan. Of the Franciscan. So he right. was a Capuchin friar mm-hmm. and Catholic priest. Um, the and first, st- and actually the first Catholic priest to receive the stigmata because really? St. Francis wasn't actually a priest. He was a ah, that's right. But St. Francis did have the stigmata. He did, St. Yeah. Francis also bilocated. That's yeah. what they say. So and, and good because that that's the the images I have of Saint Padre Pio. You see pictures and you see pictures of the the little half gloves that he yeah, wore. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So that he would hide. Hide didn't, the stigma. Didn't hide very well, but. No, I know yeah. people knew, so he would hide the stigmata. Cool. Anything else that we need to know about Saint Padre Pio? Yeah, but, well, interesting thing. Like his normal day was basically it was nineteen hours of ma- mass in the morning and confessions all day long. Usually fifty. Right. 50 so people, people, a lot of people would come to yeah. him for confession. And he only really slept 12, two hours a day, which is eh, a lot nice. less than us. <laughs> a lot less than me. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so I want to, I'll just, I'll just finish off with um, a quote of Padre Pio's, which I thought was, uh-huh. was quite nice. Uh, Padre Pio says, it would be night, it would be easier for the earth to exist without the sun than without the holy sacrifice of the mass. Interesting. Nice. So he was very pro Eucharist, which is something else I, yeah. I had heard about him. Yeah. So maybe I guess the lesson for us is that 
uh, we need to be uh, close to Jesus in the Eucharist, and maybe we can be as close as <laughs> as Saint Padre Pio was. Right. Talk about role models. That's a that's a, a hard one to follow. Right. But thank you. So Lawrence Foucault with our uh, very first Saint of the Week segment. So Lawrence is going to be back. Uh, he'll be back in a, in a little while to talk to us about some uh, programming on Salt and Light TV. But uh, he'll also be back every week with a new saint. So thank you, Lawrence. Um, coming up is our diocesan update. So don't go anywhere. This is Fred Kachadi, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and sitting here now with me is Mary Rose with her diocesan update. So where do we go today? Thank you, Pedro. So there are two big universal church celebrations or events happening just this week. Okay. And so I'm very happy to see that the Archdiocese of Vancouver is joining in the celebrations. Mm -hmm. So first off, um, when the famous English writer and theologian, Cardinal Newman, is beatified tomorrow, Sunday, September 19th, mm -hmm. there will also be a mass celebrating this event organized by St. Mark's College, the Newman Club of UBC, and the Newman Association of Vancouver. So if you want to celebrate your fond memories of being part of the Newman Club University, or you're just thankful for the inspiration Cardinal Newman is for generations of chaplaincy to university students worldwide, join in the celebration. Mass is at 10 a.m. at St. Mark's College Chapel and the presider is Archbishop Michael Miller. Cool. For more information, send an email to stmarks.campusministry at gmail.com. And the other celebration in Vancouver has to do with the beatification of Chiara Luce Badano oh, yes. on Saturday, September 25th. Now, this beautiful, sporty, ordinary 18-year-old 18 18-year-old 18 girl died of an unexpected illness. Mm -hmm. But she lived her short life with lots of love and life. So her beatification will take place at the Shrine of Our Lady of Divine Love in Rome, Italy. And the Focolare Movement invites you to attend the live transmission from Rome. Okay. So the event is from 10 a.m. to 12 noon at the Focolare Center in Coquitlam. For more information, email ffvancouver at shaw.ca or visit chiaralucebadano.it, which is C-H-I-A-R-A-L-U-C-E-B-A-D-A-N-O.it. Mm -hmm. Now, the Archdiocese of Edmonton is holding a one-day event called Scripture Fest at St. Albert Catholic High School. This means you can participate and learn more about Scripture and the Church. And this event takes place on Saturday, September 25th, and we'll include a presentation by Archbishop Richard Smith on Nothing More Beautiful and two keynote addresses by Bishop Gary Gordon of Whitehorse. Mm. So for more information, go to the Edmonton Archdiocesan website. And finally, Faith Connections in Toronto is hosting another Theology on Tap with a great topic, Theology of the Body in Relationships. And special guests are Leah Perot and Brett Salkelt mm -hmm. of How Far Can We Go? A Catholic Guide to Sex and Dating. So join other young adults for an evening of thought-provoking conversation on this topic on Monday, September 20th, 7 to 9 p.m. at the Duke of York Pub in downtown Toronto. And for more information, visit the Theology on Tap webpage at the faithconnections.ca website. Great. Thank you very much, Mary Rose. Uh, but don't go anywhere because when Mary Rose comes back, we'll be talking about a couple more events that are taking place in Toronto. Thank you. Hi, I'm Janelle, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius 159 or XM 117. In the second half of Salt and Light Radio, we'll be speaking with Don Stefanowicz, 
who grew up in with a homosexual father. So that's coming up. But first, here is uh, Mary Rose. She's still with us with uh, some news about what's happening in Toronto. That's right. Now, Dr. Christian Ilia has been with the Office of Catholic Youth in Toronto for two and a half years. Um, the Office of Catholic Youth, or OCY, is the Archdiocesan Office for Youth and Young Adult Ministry. They're the resource basically for pastors, chaplains, ministers, anyone dealing with youth and young adults. We talked earlier this week about what we can expect from them. All right, so Christian, tell me what you're planning for this week. Well, what we have planned actually occurs on Thursday, September 23rd in the evening. Uh, we have a night planned. It's designed for young adults, and the location is the Newman Center at the University of Toronto, and it's called Saints of the New Millennium. And what it is is it highlights the, uh, the achievements and the importance of uh, three very important people, very timely to this time, this time of the year, and that, of course, is Venerable John Paul II and um, Blessed Andre of Montreal, who, of course, will be canonized in October, and um, Venerable John Henry Cardinal Newman, who will be beatified and declared blessed um, this week as well. So it uh, focuses on those three men and uh, the, the, the importance uh, of uh, the time that we find ourselves in. Very exciting time of the year for us. Now, John Paul II is not going to be uh, on the radar this week, so why is he one of your three holy people? Well, um, for lots of reasons. First of all, you know, there were lots of rumors actually that he would have been uh, beatified in October. That's obviously not happening. However, the, uh, it is the anniversary of his, uh, his uh, election, his conclave his, um, as well. And uh, he actually uh, is the one who referred to Saints of the New Millennium. I recall him always uh, urging young people to, to not to be afraid, to, to put out into the deep, and to uh, have the courage to be the Saints of the New Millennium. Well, we're 10 years into the New Millennium, of course, and uh, the cause for his sainthood is well underway. And... Uh, you know, we, we really thought that we'd have the announcement uh, from Rome and that we'd be celebrating the beatification. But uh, we're also elated that in October, um, Brother Andre, uh, Blessed Andre of Montreal, gets canonized and, in a sense, has, has that to himself, uh, which is a great honor for, for the country. But um, that's why. And, of course, very much on the radar is uh, John Henry Cardinal Newman, too. So it makes sense to, to, to go in, uh, in, in a trio like that. And now for, for this evening of September 23rd, what's your itinerary and who are your speakers? Well, it starts at 6.30 p.m. We'll gather at the Newman Center. We'll actually, first we'll, we'll gather together in prayer. Um, and then we will have actually two speakers, um, Deacon, a Jesuit transitional deacon, Michael Knox, who's a church historian, will be speaking, and an Oxford man too, will be speaking about uh, Venerable Newman, um, who will be blessed Newman already by then, and, uh, and the university. So the role of Newman and the university, which is very apropos that he's doing it at the Newman Center in mm -hmm. Toronto. And uh, after, in addition to Deacon Michael Knox, Salt and Light's Father Tom Rusica will be speaking about his relationship with the Holy Father, um, with, with Venerable John Paul II, which will really resonate well because... He'll able, he's able to speak about him personally, since he knew him quite well and, and had many, many meetings with him, especially leading up to World Youth Day 2002 in Toronto. And also, uh, Father Rusica 
we'll be talking about uh, Blessed Andre of Montreal, not just about the saintly man who, who will be canonized, but also about Salt and Light's um, very, uh, the very exciting uh, special uh, production, Salt and Light production. And we know he'll be bringing at least a trailer with him, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll be showing it uh, to the people at the Newman Center as well. And we very much look forward to, to that Salt and Light production that's coming out. Well, thank you so much, Christian. That was Dr. Christian Elia, Director of Office of Catholic Youth. For more information or to attend the September 23rd event, go to ocytoronto.org. We'll also be talking about it on our Salt and Light blog. Great. Well, thank you very much, Mary Rose, our uh, trusty diocesan update producer. Um, again, if you want uh, us to talk about your events, let us know what's happening in your diocese. You can send us an email to radio at saltandlighttv.org. And don't go anywhere because part two of Salt and Light Radio is coming up. We'll be talking to our featured uh, interview, Stefan, uh, Don Stefanowicz, who grew up with a homosexual father. And also coming up is an interview with our featured artist of the week, Gretchen Harris. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org. And here now, back with me, is Lawrence Foucault. He's our assistant programming manager to tell us a bit of what we can uh, look forward to watching on Salt and Light Television this week. All right, Pedro. So uh, tomorrow, we're wrapping up our. Um, coverage of the apostolic voyage to the UK yeah. with the beatification mass of Cardinal John Henry Newman, mm. which uh, we are airing live at 5 a.m. Eastern, Okay, and we're going to repeat that at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 Pacific. Mm-hmm. We have, so if you if you want, go to saltmytv.org, check out all the information there. Okay, and this is the highlight of the visit this is, to, yeah. t- t- to England, so uh, the beatification of Cardinal Newman. Uh, if you don't want to watch it at 5 in the morning, if you're like me, tune in for the repeat at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. 8.30 p.m. 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 Pacific. All right. So uh, also tomorrow, mm-hmm. the 19th, we have uh, a new witness with uh, Father Tom is uh, speaking to Archbishop Paul Cremona, uh-huh. who is uh, a Maltese bishop and a Dominican friar. He was key in organizing the Pope's recent trip to Malta that was back in April so that uh, we will air at 8 p.m. Eastern 9 Pacific on Sunday tomorrow and that's Father Rizika with Archbishop Paul Cremona great and also at the end uh, at the end of the week on Saturday on the 25th of September we have uh, a live event from Paul VI Hall in the Vatican it's uh, a celebration of the beatification of Chiara Luce, uh-huh. she's a, a she was a young Focolare member, right? Who had bone cancer at the age of seventeen, died two years later. And she was she was a great witness to to suffering and yeah. how to suffer with faith. Yeah, and so that that'll be that'll be a great night of just of remembrance with different artistic elements, mm-hmm. singing, testimonies, and uh, choreography. Okay, what time? That's starts live at three p.m. Eastern and noon pacific and it's an hour and a half long okay great with uh we will have uh repeats in the afternoon go to saltandlighttv.org to check out the the schedule there okay thank you very much lauren so uh, a few things to uh to look for if you want more details about 
what's on Salt and Light Television, you can visit our website, saltandlighttv.org. And also, if you're outside our programming area, you can watch all our programming streaming live at saltandlighttv.org. So uh, that concludes the first half of Salt and Light Radio, but don't go anywhere because coming up, we'll be talking to our... Uh, Special guest Don Stefanowicz, who grew up with a homosexual father, and we will also be speaking to our featured artist of the week, Gretchen Harris. So don't go anywhere. It's September 18th, and the Holy Father has arrived in England, the first papal visit there since Pope John Paul II went in 1982. Many people are wondering why the Pope has to go to England. Is this not a slap in the face to Anglicans after last year's announcement of the new Anglican Communion coming into full communion with Rome? Well, first, let's make it clear that the Pope, as a head of state, is visiting because former British Prime Minister Gordon Brown invited him. The theme for the visit is Heart Speaks Unto Heart. This is the motto that Cardinal John Henry Newman chose when he became Cardinal. Now, 130 years later, the Catholic Church has elevated Cardinal Newman to the title of Blessed, and his beatification will take place in Birmingham by Pope Benedict XVI tomorrow. The journey has also featured meetings with the Queen, the Anglican Archbishop Rowan Williams, and several bishops of England, Wales, and Scotland. This visit clearly is one to continue fostering the ecumenical ties that Benedict has been working on. And yes, there have been jokes and verbal attacks. England is not known for their Catholic zeal. But hey, when did following Jesus Christ mean that we wouldn't be attacked for our beliefs? Let's join our prayers with Pope Benedict for the remainder of his UK visit and pray that he continues in his call to bring people of different faiths together for dialogue. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. If you're an adult who grew up in a homosexual, bisexual, or transsexual household, you may feel that you can't speak about your experiences. Now, Don Stefanovich offers a place where these conversations can happen, not necessarily a physical place, but a place. Her new book, Out From Under, details her experiences growing up with a homosexual father. And Don Stefanovic joins us now on the phone. Welcome, Don, to Salt and Light Radio. Pedro, thank you very much. Um, um, quickly, if you can tell us what it was like growing up for you. Well, it was challenging, very confusing, because Yes, I knew my biological father, and I knew my biological mother, but my father, beginning at 10 months old, when I was 10 months old, he brought in one of his partners to live in our home, among other boarders. From that point on, I was taken with my father and his friends into uh, really the developing subcultures. That was, it was just a very different kind of environment to grow up in. Um, at uh, eight, my father had actually taken me to downtown Toronto to see the, the brand new um, downtown area that had opened up for uh, those involved in the GLBT movement. It was not political. It was very artsy, fashion-centered, right. and, um, you know, it had a very interesting flair artistically. And, you know, there seemed to be a, a lot of uh, people that my father knew. Mm -hmm. He also had uh, different partners in his life. 
and uh, so I had a had a different kind of upbringing, maybe than what you would consider to be traditional. Where was your mother? My mother was ill and very submissive. Uh, she was subservient, really, to to my father. She actually, we would go together or separately to the various places my father usually attended. As an example, there's a, a park called Taylor Creek Park, yeah. and we would go bike riding there. It's also a cruising park, which is known very well to gay men in, in the Toronto area. We'd also go to Hanlon's Point, which was right. a clothing optional beach, which is just off Central Island, and you could actually bike ride or walk, if you like to walk a few kilometers down to the end of the island there. Um, and just a very, it was a very different kind of upbringing for me culturally, and my mother actually um, kind of mixed with with some interesting female friends during my teen years. Right. So I had a, a a background that was again not traditional. Right now, but this was would have been normal for you because that's where you were growing up. So what were you feeling, thinking through? Let's say when you were eight years old and your father took you downtown to this place for the first time. Well, I was excited like he was. I remember leaning back with my uh, head up against the back seat, looking out the back window yeah. at all the apartment buildings, first of all, with their bright lights, because it would usually be evening time, and the lights in the office buildings all had their lights on. Mm -hmm. And he would take me right downtown. We would actually walk um, along St. Charles and uh, some of the core area streets in the area mm -hmm. where uh, there would be different men standing on the street corners and, and talking and trying to link up with, with someone else. And again, it's, um, I, it confused me because where other people had a mother and a father, I had a situation where my father had various partners and uh, there were always different men in our home. So I had, uh, I felt like I was competing for my father's attention and his uh, time and affections. I, I struggled really with my own sexuality because my, my father presented to me this understanding of a very broad understanding of sexuality and mm -hmm. gender identity. Mm -hmm. And uh, his, he was just enthralled with the female impersonator Craig Russell, who performed in gay bars in Toronto, but also throughout the States like New York and major cities there in the States and over in Europe. Right, uh, and he was—he um, died of an uh, AIDS-related stroke at age 42. My father uh, died of AIDS when he was 51, in 91. Mm -hmm. Now, um, just a note for anyone joining the program at this time: you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. My name is Pedro, and we're speaking to Don uh, with Don Stefanovic, uh, who grew up with a uh, same-gender attracted father. Um, Don, you describe in your book that. I mean, there were other issues. You haven't really <laughs> spoken very much about it right now, but in terms of uh, drugs and alcohol and this and that, why it, 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 clearly it, it was a troubled childhood, but is it because your father was homosexual or is it because just because he was a troubled man? Well, if you, if you look at the research, and that's something that I did not have my hands on growing up, I witnessed firsthand... Uh, that there were two suicides by the time I was nine years old, that my father, you know, there were these two friends he had within weeks of each other committing suicide. Mm -hmm. And there was also drugs and alcohol involved in his relationships. We had in our home, maybe most homes would have a liquor cupboard or whatever, but we had one of those and different liquor and so forth that would be in, well stocked in our, our corner cabinet. Uh, but that was part of my father's relationships. There was a lot of partying late night cruising, 
uh, traveling to different locales throughout North America. It wasn't just in Toronto downtown and Montreal mm-hmm. and, and Vancouver. He traveled throughout, uh, again, major cosmopolitan centers throughout the U.S. and into the islands. Now, is it possible, and again, um, uh, that uh, a person growing up in a household with uh, uh, homosexual parents where the experience is different, that the parents are not cruising, the parents are uh, not involved in, in uh, substance abuse, uh, do not have multiple partners. Would you say that, that there's still a concern with uh, a relationship like that? I have concern. I don't want to uh, put anyone in a box and say they will have all of these right. commonalities. But yes. they, there's definitely a much higher risk just looking at the research. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I've been in touch with a number of adult children, and we share these things in common where it doesn't matter whether it was a lesbian parent or a gay parent, uh, our parent often had transient relationships. Mm-hmm. And again, we don't necessarily have a full explanation why that is so when we're growing up in that. There's, there often is um, various health issues, mental health issues and physical health issues that our parents will deal with mm-hmm. that may not be... Um, always something you'd find normally happening in in other um in a more traditional type marriage situation between a man and a woman right um like the lesbian mothers a number of uh, the adult children that have contacted me their mothers have struggled with depression Mm -hmm. there's uh, been often some reproductive organ cancers breast cancer brain cancer uh some other issues as well but it alcoholism Right. Uh, you know, it's, again, it's not every case. Yes. But these are it's just a higher risk lifestyle, and that maybe sounds very politically incorrect. But when you're an adult child and you get together yes. with other children, you you share commonality. Yeah. Now, so people who are uh, uh, proponents of same-sex marriage, what do you tell them? What are your concerns with that? Well, I really believe that the church's teachings on sexuality and gender complementarity are very important that the institution of marriage as a, a state that God has ordained is a natural state for the purposes of bringing together a man and a woman so that, uh, there, again, there can be children that will, will come through this union. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful gift that God has given us. Mm-hmm. When children grow up without one of their biological parents, there can be issues with, uh, we often find among fatherless boys, juvenile delinquency, drug and alcohol uh, issues, suicidal tendencies, early sexual experimentation. They often uh, struggle with, uh, not just academically, but with employment. And there's a number of issues. We know fatherlessness is is not good. Mm -hmm. For girls that grow up without a mother, they tend to be more masculinized in Mm. their appearance, in their mannerisms. And, uh, you know, there's a reason why we need both genders. Right. Now, Dawn, that's all the time we have. But uh, it's been really good. I, I hope that, again, I always feel when I speak to people that we didn't have enough time, but it, but it's, it may be enough to get people thinking and talking about this. Um, your new book, I don't know, it's not that new, but Out From Under is available through your website. And I guess it's available on any, at any bookstore if people are interested in they finding it. They can order it through the bookstores. So they can go order it through the bookstore. Or, I, again, I'm going to direct people to your website. It's Dawn Stefanowicz. And I'll spell it. S-T- so it's Dawn, D-A-W-N-S-T-E-F-A-N-O-W-I-C-Z.com. But we're going to put a link to that website on our website as well, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. 
so if people don't have to worry about you know rushing to find a pen. So Don, thank you so much for uh, joining us today um, and for sharing a little bit about it, about your experiences with us. Pedro, thank you very much. You're very welcome. And God welcome. bless. So again, Don Stefanowicz is the author of Out From Under. It's a book about her experiences growing up with a same-gender attracted father. You can find out more about Dawn and purchase her book at her website, dawnstefanowicz.com. And uh, we're, we're going to put a link to that website on our, uh, on our site, saltandlighttv.org. You can also Google Dawn, D-A-W-N, and Out From Under, and you'll, you'll find it. There's also a phone number if you have a pen. 877-421-7323. It's a toll-free number. 877-421-7323 if you'd like to uh, find out more and how to purchase the book. And you can write to us and tell us about your opinions on this topic. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Tell us uh, what you think. Write to us, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Here now is Gretchen Harris with Promised Messiah from her Christmas Joy album. Stranded in the stillness Longing for a Savior Empty, quiet Searching in the darkness Silently expectant
You're listening to Salt and Light Radio, heard on the Catholic Channel and on the internet at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and we just heard Gretchen Harris with Promised Messiah from her Christmas Joy album. I met Gretchen almost 10 years ago at a Catholic Association of Musicians conference in the mountains of Arkansas for the occasion of the 25th anniversary of John Michael Talbot. And it was a great opportunity for Catholic musicians to network and worship together. And since then, Gretchen and I have met at this or that conference, and she also came to World Youth Day 2002 in Toronto. But just three weeks ago, I saw her again in Calgary at the Unity Awards. And so Gretchen joins me now on the phone. Welcome to Salt and Light Radio, Gretchen. Thank you, Pedro. Great to talk to you again. Yeah, so for people, people are just hearing your music for the first time, at least some people are. Um, we want to know a little bit about what it was like you growing up. So musically, what was it like growing up? Musically? Yeah. Like you're... <laughs> it was kind of dry at my house. But spiritually, it was it was wonderful. I grew up in a lovely Catholic home. Um, my parents were very faithful Catholics. And I think that's what they instilled in me most. And then I just ended up singing, very involved with singing, and I loved singing at church. So you were singing in your parish? Yes, definitely. And that just kept going, and, and I got a lot of solo opportunities, and I really, really appreciated the opportunity to be able to sing songs and touch people's hearts, especially after they received communion. I generally did music at the post-communion meditation. Okay, and did you, did you, you didn't take any music lessons? Uh, not really. Okay, I learned so a lot through my choral teachers, okay. and I was trained uh, classically um, in college. And, and beyond that, okay, in the I, 20s and I, I, I heard a rumor uh, from my sources that you, you, you went off to Hollywood, you wanted to be an actress. Is that true? Well, it's just one of those things. When you live in L.A., it's, it's just kind of natural. You see things being filmed all the time you know, near your house or whatever, and everyone's you know, getting agents. And, and I went through that and did all that, and I didn't have that good of an experience. Okay. Um, but it just seemed like God was calling me very, very clearly in the direction of doing something for the church. And I happily responded to that call and have been doing that ever since. Right, and that, well, when did that happen? How old were you? Oh, that was in my 20s. I, I think I was very touched by Christian music, contemporary Christian music. It seemed like I really loved the production level, and I loved how the music was pop and contemporary sounding, but with lyrics that spoke of Jesus and God's love for us, and it just really carried me through my 20s, which can be a difficult time for people. Yeah. So, um... Now, you were already that's, married? That's what it was. Were you, already ma- you were already married? No, I was single, and and that was that was kind of really what carried me through those kind of tough times of dating, trying to find your vocation, trying to find your soulmate, and, you know, it's like, at least I had, you know, the love of Jesus Christ, and and He had a plan for me, and those songs really touched my heart. Right. Um, just a note for anyone joining the program now, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm your host, Pedro. We're speaking with our featured artist of the week, Gretchen Harris. Now, I always think of you, and maybe you can tell me that I'm completely wrong, but I think of you as a, as a wife and a mother first. Is that fair to say? That's, that's usually fair. I used to try to find, when the ministry was, was starting, I used to try to find a balance of 50-50, you know, between music minister and and wife and mom but i've really found that 
It works best when it's about 95.5. Because <laughs> I'm really a family person. And God gave me my wonderful, wonderful husband, and he gave me three fabulous, healthy children. And that's really, he wants me to take care of them. So that, yeah, that's you, my main thing. You said something to me when we saw each other in Calgary about how how blessed you are to be with your husband. And we don't hear that often from people. They don't talk about their marriages Seriously, and I, it really moved me. I, I have a similar experience in, in my marriage. So I'd say that if it's fair to say that you're in a blessed marriage, what, what would your tips be to married couples? Oh, I think we talked about this. But, um, yeah, we did. I, I think the best would, would be to realize that you're so different and to really kind of research the differences between the, dif- the different ways that men think versus the way that women think. Okay. And once you realize that it's really biologically, scientifically different, then you then you can let go and let them be themselves. And and my husband and I firmly believe in giving 100% to each other to make sure the other person is having a great day. So. Okay. So it's not a compromise. Both, it's a, you give it all. Right. It's not a 50-50. It's a 100-100. And that way, everybody's really happy all the time. <laughs> and your kids, how old are your kids? Uh, my oldest is 28 and oh, wow. uh, 18 and 15. So they have one more at home, and he's fabulous. Yeah, it's it's been a, a wonderful time, and, and how do I they, really appreciate being a mom. How do they all feel about your music and, 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 and that part of your life? They have definitely appreciated it. Um, the best thing is my 18-year-old daughter, since she was about 10, has been singing with me and traveling with me whenever oh, really? I could possibly bring her. Oh, good. Yeah, we've done um, you know, some, some media, so we've sung on TV, we've sung in concert, we've traveled internationally singing, and that has been a wonderful experience, both mother-daughter, because we're having wonderful experiences away from the family, just one-on-one, and then, you know, as well, she's a really good singer, so it's been really right. nice having that good. with her. So she, she, got, uh, she got a little bit from her mother's. This is the daughter that's just off to college, so you're a little bit of um, grieving a little bit here. Yeah, it's definitely, it's always hard when one, when one leaves the nest, but I am planning on bringing her with me to the Caribbean in October oh. um, to do Franciscan and Friends, led by with Dennis Grady. Dennis Grady. Yeah. <laughs> so I should and go I have to one sung of there for three years counting, and this will be our fourth. That's great. Every time I speak to Dennis, he says that I, I should go, so maybe I, I need to sign up on one of these trips to the Caribbean. Oh, you definitely should. It's really wonderful. They are very warm, wonderful people. There. So you're going in October? Yes, it's the end of October into November. Nice. Yeah, you know what? I should talk to Dennis uh, about that again. Listen, you have six albums. Yes. We actually, uh, today in the course of the hour, we would have listened to three different songs from three of your different albums. Um, it seems that you're, you know, you don't worry about writing a lot of necessarily your own music. You're doing recording other people's music. Why is it important for you to record and to have the music available on CD? Because, well, my first album, I, I did write most of the music, that eight of 11 songs. And mm-hmm. it was really nice to express, you know, what my relationship is with God. And it was mostly about God and family. But I really find that what's most central for Catholics is the Mass, and so I like to use music from Mass, but put a more creative spin on the songs right. to make them more interesting so people will have a bit of Mass with them in their home or in their car or in their computer while they're at work, 
So it's also songs and that they recognize. It's familiar songs, yeah, 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 and they can sing along, and it touches their heart. They already have wonderful memories of these songs. It's a really, really wonderful song, but it's nice to be able to, you know, sing them out and use your heart and right. such, as opposed to when I'm just leading the singing at mass. You know, as a right. cantor, you're not supposed to shine out or whatever. Exactly. So it's nice to emote a little bit. Exactly. So are there any new albums in the works for you? or? Yes, definitely. I'm on my seventh now, and um, it's getting produced right now in Nashville as we speak. And um, again, wonderful, you know, there's an Ave Maria on there, and there will be big Catholic hits on Eagle's Wings, You Are Mine. Oh, good. Um, you know, and Mary Did You Know is a song that oh, people I keep love asking that. if yeah. I've done that before. So, uh, yeah, oh, it, it's, it'll probably, hopefully, be done by the end of the year. Okay, good. What's the title of that one? Do you have one, a title yet? Not quite sure. Working oh, title. Okay, new we can ask CD. people ask people to send in <laughs> title suggestions for Gretchen Harris's new album. <laughs> Gretchen, that's all the time we have. All right. But thank you for coming on Salt and Light Radio. It's been great uh, having you on the show. Finally, after all these years. I know. Thank you for having me, Pedro. Yeah, good. Thank you so much. So Gretchen Harris is a singer-songwriter. She loves God. She loves the church. I think you can really you can really tell that from listening to her music. You can get more information about Gretchen and purchase her CDs and find out about this new CD, the seventh one, at her website. It's Gretchen-Harris.com. Again, we'll put a link to Gretchen's website off our website, saltandlighttv.org. Um, and uh, here now is Gretchen with a song from her album Sing to the Lord. This is a song written by Israel Houghton and the song is called Friend of God.
Gretchen Harris with Friend of God from her Sing to the Lord album. And that brings us to the end of this week's Salt and Light Radio. If you missed any part of this broadcast or you want to listen to any Salt and Light Radio program, remember that we archive all our shows. So just go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio. You can listen to them there or you can download them to listen later. We also now have our shows up on Facebook. So check it out, facebook.saltandlighttv.org. Thank you for being with us. The CEO of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation is Brazilian Father Thomas Rosica. We are a charitable organization devoted to bringing salt and light into a world that sometimes feels like it's lost its flavor and is in many cases in darkness. If you like what you listen, please visit saltandlighttv.org to see how you can help us continue doing this wonderful work of being salt and light in the world. So, thank you. I'll talk to you next week. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been Salt and Light Radio.